the fifth kind. His biggest experience was actually translating for the biggest Italian Catholic publisher, which is Edizio di San Paolo, of whom he was an official translator of the Bible. And this was his most important exercise in this field and training, because this gave him a chance to actually get in touch with the actual text and the actual words of the text, the Bible. Many early church fathers read the Old Testament the way you and I do. People like Marcion, Clement of Alexandria, Origen, they all believed other entities were being named in these old stories. And believers then have to worship a monster, which psychologically has an appalling effect on us. So it was interesting for me as a priest. Even in Mauro's own experience and in his conferences where priests and men of faith were present, they were as shocked as you were to find out these truths about the book. I see you joining many of the same dots that I'm joining as I look at the world and understand what's happening in the world. We're living in this moment. At the end of this process, the world we live in will be very different. I agree. Some people call it the Great Reset. And what you guys are doing allows people think in a different way, it gives them the tool to interpret things in a different way about what's happening. Yes, to think independently and not believe everything an authority tells them. Exactly. Check out our official website at fifthkind.tv. Mauro Bellino is a scholar of ancient Hebrew. For many years he worked for the St. Paul Press in Rome, translating with great precision the literal meaning of Hebrew words for Vatican-approved interlinear Bibles. Providing the interlinear meaning is a very exact discipline. The scholar must be rigorous in avoiding any kind of interpretation of the word and give only the literal etymological meaning of each word part. So it is with that degree of precision that Mauro Benigno explains in his writings that the use of the word ruach in Hebrew literature shows that the word means either a wind or something flying through the air and creating a strong wind. This meaning has survived to this day in the Ethiopian Amharic word, roha. It means a fan or anything that moves through the air and creates a wind. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. When I started studying this topic, I approached some serious academics thinking that I might do a degree or a PhD in the topic. And uh, I was told to pursue this line of thinking, you would need several degrees that you don't have. Uh, but I was confident of the track I was pursuing. So instead of producing a PhD, I produced a book. Uh, and that is why when I discovered uh, Mauro Bellino, a real academic, had come to the same conclusions, that's why it was so important to me 
and such a great reassurance. As big as this experience was actually translating for the biggest Italian Catholic publisher, which is Edizio di San Paolo, of whom he was an official translator of the Bible. And this was his most important exercise in this field and training. Because this gave him a chance to actually get in touch with the actual text and the actual words of the text, the Bible. Yes. And the precise translation of the etymological meanings of the word. This was indeed most important because it was that that allowed him to put in actual context the real meaning of those words. Yes. This clicked with me because my first area of study uh, in, at university was languages. And so I've always had an interest in words and the etymology of words. So I... I I've really enjoyed listening to your lectures in Italian with subtitles and the aspect of original meanings and the significance of loan words in the Hebrew text. And that is vital to understand what the text actually means. Of course. And I noticed when I was studying towards my book, when I went to serious commentaries, they avoided the most obvious questions around meanings and loan words. When I read commentaries, they avoided the obvious questions. Because those words, they don't reflect the theological significance that, let's say, the church has attributed to those words. Exactly. And the thing is, once you actually read the Bible verbatim for what it actually means, it's even more fascinating. It really is. And it also, when we reread it that way, the stories it carries correspond with stories in other cultures all around the world. For example, when I reread the Genesis stories, understanding Elohim as a plural, it became clear to me that the creation story is really a story of planetary recovery. So when I heard you, Mauro, talk about the word Ruach, the whole story lines up with African and Mesoamerican and Filipino stories of the same moment. And the aspects that make it clear are Ruach as a loan word from a Sumerian source from a Mesopotamian source. È una parola a sé stante di origine mesopotamica. And when I heard you talk about that, it was a light bulb moment. And I thought, I was right. And here's the proof. What is actually most important and interesting is, in effect, this perfect correspondence between the Bible story and all these stories and legends and myth of other parts of the world. I agree. And wrong translation has completely obscured that agreement. An ancient Filipino narrative of creation speaks of the arrival of Tagalog, a giant bird who hovers hawk-like over the flooded waters of the planet. Tagalog then creates vortices of wind which pull the waters away from the higher ground to create the islands. 
And so the work of terraforming begins. So uh, for me, it was exciting to make these discoveries because the wrong translation effectively creates a god who is a monster. And believers then have to worship a monster, which psychologically has an appalling effect on us. So it was interesting for me as a priest. Even in Mauro's own experience and in his conferences where priests and men of faith were present, they were as shocked as you were to find out these truths about the book. Well, I was shocked and not shocked because the beginning of my journey was as a believer in Jesus and there is a complete incompatibility between the God of Jesus and the behavior of the Elohim in the Old Testament. Every preacher knows this. The problem is, do you give time to understanding the incompatibility or do you pretend it's not there? So I knew there was something there. There was a theological problem and I was encouraged to review my understanding of the Old Testament when Reverend Dr. Guy Consolmagno said the Bible is full of aliens. And he said that as a spokesman for Benedict XVI. So that was the challenge that got me to do the study. Mauro believes that in the high spheres of the Curia, of the Vatican, these things are very well known. Absolutely. I am certain of that. The problem is obviously no one can talk about this because that would mean to question everything and put the believers, the faithful, in a, a terrible crisis. That's true, but I... In, in 2009, there was the colloquium. Benedict XVI had asked the Pontifical Academy of Sciences to discuss and put out statements on the theological implication of contact with other civilizations. So I think at that time, they were worried um, it was going to become obvious that we have company. And so they began opening the door. Then nothing happened. So I think they closed the door again. Meanwhile, you and I have been talking about it. That's why people like you two are so important, because you open minds to the public. You should keep talking about it. Also, it makes it possible for academics to, to discuss us, even if they mock us, they are still discussing the subject. They're yes, still okay. talking about paleo contact. Mauro was lucky enough to have a video call, a chat, a conversation with this astrophysicist from Harvard, Eddie Lowe. And this astrophysicist is looking for actual evidence, actual proof of a contact between us in great antiquity and some other civilization. So there's a part of science and scientists that is actually starting to opening itself to this possibility. Definitely. And a lot of money 
being spent to test the theory of panspermia. That's the theory advanced by Francis Crick, one of the co-discoverers. Absolutely, Francis Crick, Carl Sagan, um, Leslie Orgel, Maxim Makukov, Vladimir Sherbach, many people in DNA research hold this view. I believe the concept is there also in the writing of Plato. In fact, in my studies, I went back to Plato and realized that paleocontact was part of his teaching. And this was probably why many early church fathers read the Old Testament the way you and I do. People like Marcion, Clement of Alexandria, Origen, they all believed other entities were being named in these old stories. When I saw that, Clement of Alexandria, Origen, Marcion, Plato, Mauro Bellino, I thought I'm in good company. In effect, anche also, uh, in all effect, the ancient history of Greece should be reviewed in this light. Oh, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and again, it is repeating themes uh, from other ancient cultures around the world. I think Plato even, my view is Plato even discusses modes of contact when he refers to the Eleusinian mysteries. There are parallels between that and shamanic stories of contact in other cultures. All they're in the roots of Christianity and even of Judaism, but obscured. In the same way, the same concept were expressed by the earliest Greek philosophers and naturalists, even the, con the Greek concept of apeiron is now being reviewed and revisited, not meaning infinite anymore, but the substance by which everything comes from. So now one can trace a convergence between the word apeiron, the Greek concept of apeiron, and the Hebrew one of afar, and everything thus becomes more concrete, more real, proves once again, once more, on, on the concreteness of the stories of the ancient texts, like uh, the Old Testament. Exactly. And this creates the problem of the separation between what the Elohim actually did and the law of love, let's call it, of which Jesus Christ was talking about, which does not fit at all with that in individual uh, that we call Yahweh. No, I think my view is that Jesus distanced himself from the Elohim stories and the Yahweh stories and did not equate them with his vision of God. For example, Jesus said, what father would give their children serpent if they asked for a fish? Yahweh gave his children serpents. So it's a very clear way Jesus is distancing himself 
from all those stories. In Acts 15, the Apostolic Church agreed that the relevance of the Old Testament had expired. It was not going to be the foundation. And then the early church reversed that decision, which has left Christians confused now for 2,000 years. But ever since Paul, St. Paul, the apostle, uh, there was a need to give uh, ancient roots to the story. Ah, yes. Well, it's clear that the um, there were different routes that could have been taken and the empire favored having a fearful god at the top of the tree. So I think there were many forces that distorted the tradition that emerged in the name of Jesus and that what was favored was what allowed the powers to control the people. Yes, indeed. Uh, this message was reinforced basically through violence and so as to put the fear of God. Yes, and so it sowed an ethic of violence into Christianity, uh, allowing Christianity to justify all kinds of injustices. Purtroppo è andata so così. A, Fortunately, this is exactly what happened. We seem to be in a period where many people are waking up to this realization about the, the, the abusiveness of powers through history. And there's a real appetite, I believe, for what you, Mauro, and what I, what we are talking about. So you emerged on the scene at the perfect time for thousands, hundreds of thousands of people all around the world. And I think what you are saying is giving courage to a lot of people to see things differently. I think it gives people courage to see institutions differently and to understand society differently. And I think that you give people permission to see what they're really seeing. All this comes from, from the work of translation. His only hope and wish is to actually provide the tools, to give people the tools, for people to think for themselves. Exactly. And I would love to ask Mauro if he is encouraged by the response that he receives from people when he gives his lectures and broadcasts. Absolutely so, because this encourages him and gives him joy that he can be of help to other people. I find it um, exciting that somebody um, writing and speaking in Italian has a truly global audience because of the power of his insights. There are many great Italian writers, but uh, Mauro is the only one that I really listen to because of the importance of the information that he has. It's a very good time to be discussing these things because so many people are seeking a fresh understanding of the reality in which we live.
when I compare notes with other researchers, uh, a lot of researchers live in a place of constant frustration. But your energy is one that is uh, inspiring and energizing. I, I and have a great patient. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> great patient for, for that argument. But I think also online communication is wonderful because we can find each other and encourage one another. That's true. Uh, without it, um, it would be harder to hold these positions with a positive attitude and with confidence. Those who oppose you guys are a great deal of them and they're very determined. So you have to be even more determined than them, thanks to the determination and the passion with which you guys pursue your work of research. That's how you overcome them. I am encouraged every day when I hear from people of every generation who are excited by this kind of material and who are changing their minds after decades of thinking something else. Same for him. That is good to hear. Young people and all the people alike, it's encouraging to see them both uh, change their minds once faced with the truth. That's true. And I think when a person changes their mind on one thing, it helps them to review everything. That's important. Yes. And Mauro, I see you joining many of the same dots that I'm joining as I look at the world and understand what's happening in the world. Mauro thinks that we're living in this great moment. At the end of this process, the world we live in will be very different. I agree. Some people call it the Great Reset. And what you guys are doing allows people think in a different way, gives them the tool to interpret things in a different way about what's happening. Yes, to think independently and not believe everything an authority tells them. Exactly. It's, uh, it's a frightening and an exciting moment in our great story, I think. This is why I think the giving of courage is so relevant. What is also vital and most important is also to join forces in giving each other courage and unite forces. True. And I think, Mauro, your, the story of your career in itself is something that gives people courage to act more independently. Mauro thinks that people in reading and knowing about his own personal story get the courage because they realize they can change their own lives at any moment. Yes. And also, I think it makes people observe the powers more critically. Yes, your work gives the people the tools to observe the surrounding and being able to analyze it in a more truthful way. Without giving it for granted that everything that is told to you and us is always true. Exactly. Internationally, you have a great following 
How are you received in Italy? Uh, it was astonishing for him at the beginning to realize that his message once out spread it so wildly and so quickly. People were ready for it. He actually thought uh, back then that his first book would have almost no audience and would have just disappeared. And what happened instead, he was immediately called to do conferences and talks. And then over the course of a decade, he, he has done more than 300 conferences in Italy, but also in many countries in Europe as well. And now in these times, uh, being also much more comfortable, he can do these videos and conferences online. Elisabetta says that she met Mauro via his books, but what she found when, he, when she first discovered Mauro is that his story was something that resonated a lot with what we all basically know when we're children. Yes. Of course. She's, yes. she's also my doctor. That's, that's a good arrangement. That's wonderful. There was something else I wanted to ask. Oh, I was going to say that uh, my travels with my latest books have comp been completely on hold because of the international pandemic. So all my touring has been via my laptop. So yes. I'm looking forward to that changing. Yeah, Mauro is also very, very keen for this to end so that you guys can physically meet. Absolutely. I think it'll be very exciting. I'm delighted to be having this conversation face to face. Me I too, feel like I already know you <laughs> because I've been watching you. Thank you. <laughs> Io vorrei poi ringraziare proprio i nostri amici del canale Mauro Biglino Official Channel che ci ascoltano e, e vorrei pregare loro di vedere questo canale di Paul Wallace che è The Fifth Kind davvero interessante presenta documentari che lasciano davvero incantati molto ben fatto molto bello molto affascinante complimenti thank you we would also like to thank our audience uh, uh, and audiences and also tell them to go and check out your own channel because the documentary you put out absolutely incredible we love them thank you very much thank you i i work in partnership with uh an english collaborator whose name is anthony barrett so i i i provide the research and anthony turns it into these wonderful videos for me she she is the video maker the director you have a great team, Mauro. Okay. <laughs> and so, not, not, not only my doctor. It's very economical. Very economical. What's very interesting and amazing is actually Mauro was, after 10 years of research and work, was actually uh, to the point almost of, uh, you know, quitting his job was done, he thought. And then he encountered Elisa. And she said, you know, during the pandemic at the beginning, why don't you just make some videos and just throw them out there on, on YouTube and it had this incredible success. And uh, now I am here. <laughs> yes. He's still here. <laughs> okay. Yes, the same. I made a decision a couple of years ago to invest as much energy as possible into this field of study to make it my main thing. And I had no idea how that was going to work financially. Meeting Anthony was just as for you, Maro, okay. uh, uh, and you, Elisabetta, was a chance meeting. And then everything happened. Il resto è storia, come si suol dire. 
Ok. Grazie ancora allora. So, thank you very, 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 very much. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed speaking. Speaking with you makes me miss Italy. Thank you. Thank you to you. And see you, you soon. See you soon. Thank you for watching the Fifth Kind TV. Remember to subscribe and click on the bell for notifications so that you never miss when we upload new content. For uncensored access to our full interviews and documentaries, go to fifthkind.tv. For more videos about paleo contact and the wisdom of the world's ancestral narratives, go to the Paul Wallace channel, subscribe and click on the bell. You can join the Paul Wallace channel for a regular live stream and live conversations.